Luke chapter 12. We're going to take two weeks and uh, we want to talk about the future. I hear people concerned about the future right now. We're going to talk about the future. And I'm going to divide it into two parts. We're going to talk about the immediate future, your future, our nation's future for the next 10, 12, 15 years from Scripture. And then the next week, we're going to talk about long-range future. And let me tell you what. I will never have more angst than I will today. I'll get more criticism for what I'm going to say than anything I've ever preached before. I'm going to hack everybody off. You don't think I can do it, do you? What you going to do, fire me? I mean, we're going to have a time today, buddy. And I'm being cute. You laughing. I'll, I'll start to say, I'll pee everybody. I'll yell everybody off today. And, uh, but I want you to do something. I want you to just listen to what I've got to say. I want you to look in your Bible. I want you to listen in your heart. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, was that, were you speaking through him this morning? Talking about the future? All right, let's go. We're going to talk today about three kingdoms. Three kingdoms. You can call it three groups, three movements, three, I don't care what you call it, but there's three. Three kingdoms in the earth right now. Luke chapter 12 is where Jesus talks about priorities. Anybody got any priorities? Everybody needs them, right? Luke chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus said this to you and me. Do not seek, of course the word seek means live for. Do not seek what you should eat or drink or have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after or live for. Boy, he busted it, didn't he? Jesus said, everybody lives for, what's the key word in there? Look at that second verse we read, things, things. And Jesus said, don't live for, don't, he said, the things you eat, the things you'll drink. Of course, we expand that, things you wear, the house you live in, the car you drive. He said, don't live for that stuff. He said, because every, all the nations of the world, people live for things. You take all the arguments going on in our nation right now, <clears throat> all the issues everybody hammers over right now, you know what it ultimately can trace back, be traced back to? Money. And as Jesus said, the things money can buy. People say, we want a better life. Well, you know how people think they get a better life? Get more money so you can have a nicer house. Get more money so you can afford things for your children. And there's nothing wrong with things. I mean, no, we all need things. Finish that verse. Jesus said, at the end of that verse, and your father knows you need these things. The word things keeps coming up over and over. But what did Jesus say right there? He said, everybody on the planet lives for things. Everybody's looking for stuff. And uh, again, I'm going to say it. Every argument, every struggle we have in this land right now ultimately is traced back to prosperity. You can call it well-being. You can call it whatever you want to, but it all goes back to things. Why did Jesus say you shouldn't live for the things money can buy and things? All right. We have, a, in America, we have what's called the American dream. Anybody ever heard of the American dream? Now, different people define it a little differently, but it all boils down to things. I decorate it if you want to. It just boils down to things. What's wrong with living for, what's wrong with wanting a better house? What's wrong with wanting to provide more stuff for your children? Why? Let him answer that. Look in verse 15 with me. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware. Just stop right there. You know what that word beware means? I used to be a country preacher and when I'd pull up into some janky place, some broke down house and it had a handwritten sign that said, beware of dog. I didn't get out of my truck. <laughs> that sign ain't there for nothing. And I knew, and them dogs will eat you. They don't have them little toilet brush looking dogs like y'all got in your house. 
Them dogs were crossed between a pony and a dog. And when I saw beware, listen, you see beware, you better, why did Jesus Christ look at you and say, beware? Because there's danger out there somewhere. Jesus said, beware. Let's read that verse, verse 15. Jesus said, beware of, y'all know what that word means? Covetousness. How many of you have heard the word covetousness? Does anybody know what covetousness means? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to correct you right in front of me here. <clears throat> covetousness is not greed. Greed is completely different from covetousness. You can be covetous and not be greedy at all. Greedy means to hoard what you've got. Covetous means to want what somebody else has got. That's the definition of covetousness. Let me tell you something about the house you want or the house you got. If you've never seen a house, you wouldn't want the house you got. The reason you want the house you want is because you've seen somebody else's house. All right, I've already done it. I've already made everybody mad. If you've never seen somebody else's car, you wouldn't want another car. You just want a mule. They'll get you there. Did you know that that covet thing, did you know that made the top 10? Y'all didn't know that. You got killing, stealing, lying. I mean, not lying, adultery. What's commandment number 10? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not want what anybody else has got. Let me ask you a question. What is the entire American political system propped up on right now? Covetousness. You getting what somebody else has got. What do we, now we dress it up, we call it equality. We call it justice. But it all boils down. You say, well, what's wrong with wanting what other people got? What did the man just say? He said, you better be careful wanting what somebody else has got. And he said, don't covet your neighbor's home. Don't covet his ass or his transportation, his Ford or whatever. And this said, don't covet his wife. Let me tell you why you shouldn't covet his wife. Because you might get her and find out you didn't want her. That's why you shouldn't covet his wife. <laughs> I mean, if you ever heard of buyer's remorse, that folks have got it right now. But don't covet. Every political movement in our nation right now is driven by, its, its propulsion is covetousness. You deserve what they've got. What did Jesus say? You better beware of that stuff. And then he answers the question, verse 15. Take heed, beware of covetousness, because your life does not consist in the abundance of the things a person possesses. Jesus just struck America out with one verse. Jesus said, your life, the quality of your life never consists on how much you own. It never it has nothing to do with the size of your house, your wardrobe, the car you drive. Life has nothing to do with stuff. What's America built on? And Jesus said, beware of this. He said, all the kingdoms of the world seek this stuff. All right, let's go back and read verse 31. But seek what? Seek the kingdom of God. Now seek means make the reason you get up in the morning the kingdom of God. You make the reason you breathe the kingdom of God. And uh, let me again, I, I got to be real careful about this. Let me define the kingdom of God. Many people think kingdom of God church. It is not. There's a lot of stuff going on in churches that is not the kingdom of God. And there's a lot going on in the kingdom of God you would never do in a church or define as church. The kingdom of God is God's plan for what's going on in the earth. It's his activity in the earth today. There's a lot of the kingdom of God going on in public schools right now. God's working in public schools right now. There's a lot of kingdom of God going on in private businesses right now. But he said, here's the point. 
It, can you see by this makeup of this verse, everybody's going to live for something. It, something drives everybody. He said, you make the reason you wake up and get out of the bed in the morning to be a part of what God's doing in the earth today and find your part in what he's doing in the earth. You do that. And then he's got this little bonus. I'm even know our father gives bonuses. Read the rest of verse 31. All these things, there's the things again, will be added to, you know what he just said? Give me your life. Live for what I'm doing in the earth and then you can hand me your power bill. Amen. I'll pay it. Hand me your credit cards. Well, I'll, I'll cut them in half. <laughs> I'll pay your gas bill. You need some plastic surgery. He said, I'll provide you, and listen to me, I'll provide you a nice home. I'll give you clothes to wear. You abandon your life to what I'm doing in the earth. Don't become religious on me because I'm not religious. But you give your life to me and then hand me all your bills. I'll take care of them. If you can't trust 11, Luke 12, 32, to take care of you in this life, how are you going to trust John 3, 16 to get you into the next life? Man tells the truth. You say, all right, and then let me, let me uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is the next one that says this, and don't you ever worry about it because I delight to give you things. Yeah. To no, have no fear, little flock. It is your father's pleasure, his joy, to give you the kingdom of God. He doesn't say, find Gabriel, bring me there, find Gabriel, pay it for him. <laughs> he delights in taking care of you. More than I delight in taking care of, I love to take care of my children. I'd pick up cans on the side of the road and feed my kids. Of course, they feed me now because they're grown. And he said, if you being evil compared to me will do that for your kids, how much more would I do it for those who love me? He'll take care of you. And you know what you see in there? You see three kingdoms in the earth. Now you can call them whatever you want to. Movements, groups, I don't care. He calls them kingdoms. You can call it whatever you want to. Ventures. You say, Brother Ben, I don't see three in there. You say, I see two. I see what God's doing in the earth. And then I see all the kingdoms of the world seeking things. Everybody's going after their stuff and prosperity. But don't you listen to what I'm fixing to say. And here comes the and off part. Everybody in our nation and really globally is divided into two camps. Would you say our nation's divided today into two camps? They're divided into two camps. Tell me the names of the two camps. The left and the right. You can call it left and right. Other people got other names for them. Let's just stick with left and right. You can call it conservative, progressive. I don't know how going into debt you call that progress, but that's your business. But we got, you know, conservative, progressive. You know, you got God's crowd and their crowd. I don't care what you call them. But we got left, right. And uh, let me tell you about the left and the right in this land. And really it's all over the globe right now. Every country is divided what we would call left, right. Both have the same goal. Both have the exact same, but you say, uh-uh, look right here, uh-huh. Both have the exact same, what do both of them want? Prosperity. Both are seeking a better life for people. And it all goes back to Dallero. It all goes back, if we could get some money to help poor people get out of trouble, if we could keep some money to help us get out of trouble, everything, both of them are seeking the same thing, prosperity. There are three kingdoms in this earth right now, basically. There's the kingdom of the left, and it, not just America, around the globe. There's the kingdom of, of the, I'm going to call it the right. And then there's the kingdom of God. 
He said, Brother Brown, you didn't know he was on our side? This is my day to talk. You just sit tight for a minute. There's three kingdoms on this earth. The left, the right, and what God is doing in the earth. I'm going to ask you a question. Number two, how many of you know what's going on in the earth today? When we're not in here, you do, because you tell me. Every place I go, I'll tell you what's going on. And I think, well, here we go. May I suggest this to you? King David was the greatest ruler that ever lived in world history. People look at him and say he was the most brilliant ruler. He knew what to do to take care of his people. You know why he was such a great ruler? He had a group of people with him. And I want you to see one of the greatest verses in the Bible that you need to see for today. Turn me to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Over and over I hear people say, if we could just get people to, which tells me you know what's going on in the earth. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, you find a group of men and they were friends of David. They're actually advisors to David. They were called the sons of Issachar and they were blessed by God unusually. They had the gift of God to help and they helped lead politically and they helped lead spiritually. Back in, in King David's day, church state were tied together very close. And now I want you to see something about these guys. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 7. Excuse me, 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, 32. The sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times in which they lived to know what Israel ought to do. If you don't understand what's going on in the earth and the time period on God's calendar in which you're living, can you see clearly you won't know what you ought to do? It is very important to know what's going on in the earth so you can know what you ought to do. You know, it'd be tragic to be doing the wrong thing with your life because you don't understand where we're at on God's calendar. Because you don't understand the times you live in. It's very important to understand what's going on in the earth and uh, to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. All right, I'm going to take just a minute. I'm going to take a lot of time. The Bible is a book of prophecy. One third of the Bible is prophecy. <clears throat> Let me tell you why. Because God Almighty knows the future. He's the only person that knows the future. He wrote a book called Revelation. Revelation means to show people things they can't see about the end times because he knows what's coming. He knows before we get there what's going on. He can prophesy the future. And the Bible talks about the spirit of prophecy. And uh, dear ones, I'm going to tell you something. Our Father loves to help his people understand what's coming so they might know what to do. I'm going to talk about the future from prophecy. I'm going to give you one major prophecy in the Bible. And I want to show you what's coming in the earth right now. And I'm going to show you what's already happening in the earth, in the spirit world. Listen to me. I'm going to give you, this is a biblical worldview right here. This is the base of the biblical worldview. If you don't see everything happening on this planet through a spirit lens, you're clueless. If you don't understand that everything that's going on on this planet visibly, political, business, everything is driven by a spirit world. If you don't understand that the spirit realm drives the visible realm, you'll be clueless. You'll just go, I've heard people say, what the hell's going on? Bingo. Bingo. You'll be in the dark. If you're a believer, your worldview should be this. Everything you look at, you look at it through the eyes of scripture and you say, what is, this, what is the spirit world doing right here? You say, well, we don't let God into our politics. 
Listen to me, dear one. He rules in the affairs of men, whether he's invited or not. The spirit, well, one, some spirit's going to rule. All righty. I want to take in scripture and I'll show you one prophecy. And I believe it's the major prophecy of what's going on in the earth and coming soon to a nation near you. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60. The first major prophet, you can go through Psalms to the right. You'll see a guy named Isaiah or Isaiah. Isaiah, if you're uppity, Isaiah, if you're from the country. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60. This is a great prophecy. Does anybody remember the name of the all-time number one selling world history piece of literature ever? Does anybody remember? Well, the Bible's the all-time number one book. So, but uh, the number one all-time selling piece of literature in world history is a, it was a, it was a book written. It was entitled The Tale of Two Cities. And it began with this famous line. First sentence in the book says this. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. That's how that book began. And it talked about a period in history where one uh, city enjoyed the best times they'd ever have while a city not far away was going through the worst time they'd ever have. You listen to me. Let me tell you what's coming in the earth right now. It's going to be the best of times and it's going to be the worst of times. Darkness is going to increase like never before in the earth. God's glory is going to be in the earth like never before in the earth. And that's the prophecy uh, let me just give you, for instance, I think there are some people that have the heart of God in this nation or are hearing his, hearing his voice today. You have to be very careful about prophecy. I think about 95% of it is due to too much pizza and banana pudding, not, up, not spirit of God. Forgive me. But God is still opening people's hearts to help other people. And uh, I heard a man say that I, the father keeps, his name is Robert Morris. Robert pastors one of the greatest churches in our nation, our Gateway Church. And recently I just heard him was saying that we partner with him and with Life Outreach. And I just heard him say this. I keep having this dream over and over. And he said, I think God is speaking to me in this dream about what's coming in our land. And he said, in this dream, I'm riding in a car. There are three preachers. We're all sitting in the front seat. There's nobody in the back. And I said, that's weird. We're all in the front seat. And he said, I'm in the middle. A preacher's driving. A preacher friend's on the right. And the preacher on the left says to me, I keep having this vision. God keeps showing me what's coming in the future. And it's bad. It's really bad. Our future's bad. It's, it's going to be hard and difficult. And the one on my right says, I keep having this vision from God about what's coming in the future, and it's good. It's so good. It's going to be great. And Robert says, this one says great. This one says bad. And said, so I've begun to pray, Lord, which is it? And he's come to the same spirit conclusion I have. It's both. He said, how can it be good and bad? I'm glad you asked him. Let him answer in Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60, we're going to look at a few verses. Arise and shine. I think some Bibles, uh, yours might say, arise and whine. <laughs> then these are not days to be whining. These are days to be shining. Arise and shine because light has come. The glory of the Lord is upon you. Got it? Shift gears. Verse 2. Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. What did the Bible say right there? That is a prophecy that there will come a day we're in it and it's going to increase when something called darkness would cover what? Los Angeles, San Francisco, the earth. How, what kind of darkness? What does it say? A deep darkness will come over the earth. Dear ones, it is here. 
a deep darkness is coming over this earth. You say, Brother Mine, does it, does it mean like a, we're going to have a, a, an outage of light and power? No, it's not, it's not physical darkness. It's spirit darkness. Let me define for you what the Bible, several places where the Bible talks about darkness. Number one, darkness is blindness. It's when you can't understand what's going on. And darkness is always related to blindness. I'm going to quote to you. First John chapter one says this, he who hates his brother. Do you see any hatred in the earth anywhere right now? Do you see any hatred in this nation right now? He who hates his brother walks in darkness and the darkness has blinded his eyes and he does not know where he's going. Then was when hatred gets in your heart, you're blinded. You're in, you're in darkness. You don't have a clue what's going on. What is driving the movements of our nation right now? What's driving the major political movements in our nation right now? Don't be cute with me. Don't play games. What is, pull the covers back. What is the driving force behind the political movements in our nation right now? Anger and hatred. Hatred and anger. Uh, millennials, uh, I saw a recent poll, saw it last week. Millennials were asked, what's the number one issue in this nation right now? They said racial justice. That's the number one issue. What's driving the fight for justice today? You may say inequality. I would say the motivation is anger and hatred. One of my heroes, the late great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, you never overcome hatred with hatred. You never overcome violence with anger. You overcome it with the love of God. I'm just going to give you my humble opinion. Dr. King would not be welcome today if he were still living because he believed in going by the Bible and he believed godly reform and God blessed that man and used him greatly. But the Bible said that the darkness that covers the earth is, is uh, blindness. What's the ultimate picture of blindness in the Bible? Does anybody remember? How many of you think if God was standing in front of you, you might know it? Did y'all know that one day the God who created this planet put on a humble human body and stepped down here and walked around for 33 years. Y'all know that? And the word became flesh and walked among us. And we saw his glory, the very glory of God. Jesus Christ was God Almighty disguised in a human body. And he walked around on this earth. And when he walked on this earth, the people of God looked right at him. And let me just pick John chapter 12. And the ministers of God looked right at God and said, this man is not of God. Would you call that blindness? Because <laughs> they were in darkness. You say, Brother Brown, they were the leading preachers. Yeah. Yeah. And the last verse in that passage, by the way, John chapter 12, they asked him, are we blind? And God said, I ain't even going to answer that. <laughs> All right. But what did it say? He said, darkness will cover the earth. A blindness of understanding will come over the earth in the latter days. Not only that, when the Bible talks about darkness, it uses this word perverseness. Yes. Romans chapter one said, put your fist in my face and I will give you up over to a reprobate mind. And all of a sudden in your mind, right will become wrong and wrong will become right. True. We're there. We're there. People will shoot you to protect a red cockadeed woodpecker while we kill children. That is darkness. 
That is blindness. Let me give you another one. Violence. When the Bible talks about darkness, it often points back to violence. There is a spirit of violence that is covering the earth right now. Every place from Africa where you have the genocide to Portland, Oregon, to little old Alamance County. And the Bible prophesied in Matthew 24, Jesus said this, in the latter days, right before I get back, a spirit of lawlessness would cover the land to where nobody going to submit to law enforcement and order. And because lawlessness will abound, you know what abound means, don't you? All over the place. Love will grow cold. That's part of the darkness that covers the earth. You say, brother, I thank you. I'm glad I came today. You've really been a blessing to my heart. <laughs> Let me tell you something. They understood the times they lived in so they might know what to do. You need to understand the times you're living in so that you'll know what to do. So we read in verse 2, Isaiah 60, a prophecy that darkness would cover the earth. I'm not going to go any further. I could take you all through the Bible and show you this is what it'll look like in the day right before I come back to the earth. Let me just quote you one more. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Know this. Difference when God Almighty in His Word says, know this, you should know this. In the latter days, right before I return, return, difficult times will come because men will be self-centered and, what's it always go back to? Greedy. Self-centered and greedy. Now, you see, we got a movement today of peace, love, and joy. Peace, love, and joy. I'm all about peace, love, and joy. I'm all about peace and love, but the Bible said difficult times are going to come and the darkness is going to turn men self-centered. Surprise. All right. Don't you notice what else he said? That's the worst of times. But look what he said. Let's read it again, verse 1. Arise and shine because light has come and the glory of the Lord is going to be on you. So darkness is going to cover the earth but the very light of God's going to be on a certain group of people. Look at verse three with me. Oh, let's read verse two. Darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness to people, but the Lord's spirit will arise over you. His glory will be seen on you. Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. There's going to be something on you that's not darkness. There's going to be light and people are going to come to you and say, what is it about you? Gentiles are going to come and say, what have you got? You know, as God promises a time where over his people, it's going to be the best of times. You say, how can it be both? Ask him. But right there it is. There's a physical picture of this in the Old Testament. Does anybody remember when Pharaoh hardened his heart against Moses and said, I dare you to take these people out here? Anybody remember that? And God brought 10 judgments on a nation, the nation of Egypt, 10 judgments. You remember frogs, water turned into blood. One of the judgments was darkness. He told Moses, he said, pick up that stick you've been carrying. Hold it out over the land. And when he stretched his stick out over that land, the Bible said darkness fell on Egypt. And it said it was a darkness that was so thick, every light was extinguished. No man got out of his bed. You couldn't even get out of the bed. It was so dark. You couldn't see your face, your hand in front of your face. And that covered the land and stayed on the land. What's the last verse say right there? But there was light in Goshen where the people of God lived and loved him, it was broad daylight right right in the middle of that darkness. That's a prophetic picture, uh, a physical picture of the prophetic truth that there'd come a place where darkness will be all over the earth, but where people love God and honor him, they're going to be standing in the bright sunlight of God's grace. 
and his spirit's going to be all over him and people are going to come to him and say, whatever you got, this is what we want. And the light will be shining there. And uh, let me tell you about this life. Let's just read a little bit further here. Verse four, lift up your eyes all around and see. They come together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters will be nursed at your side. What do you say right there? When families are falling apart, I'm going to make your family have its greatest days. The light of God's going to be on your family. I'm going to take care of your family. And people are going to look at you and they're going to say, that's how family ought to be right there. And I will bless families. Look at the next verse. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy. What did he say? In the midst of one of the darkest times in, in history, you're going to be glowing in the dark and having the time of your life and your heart's going to pop. And you're just going to swell with joy and you're going to, they're going to be your greatest happy days. You say, ain't that crazy? This is a prophetic picture of what's happening in the land right now. And this is what's coming in the earth in the future of our land. All right, that, that's the, uh, what's coming in the earth. All right, how about the future? Let's look down the future a little bit. I'm not talking about 50 years. I'm talking about 10, 12, 15 years out. How about the future of our nation? I've never had more people say I'm concerned about my nation. I understand that. We're in some... Uh, tightrope days in our nation right now. Let me tell you about the future of our nation, where we're headed. <clears throat> and I get this neither from the right nor from the left, but from Holy Bible. Holy Bible is truth. And uh, the Holy Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God makes a covenant with nations. And in this covenant, he said this. He didn't say if you have churches in your nation. He didn't say if you sing Christian songs, he said, if you will keep my commandments. The issue is not, do you go to church? The issue is, do you keep his commandments? He said, if you will honor me, obey me, and keep my commandments, all these blessings will come upon you. I will raise you up above other nations. You will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not beneath. You will lend to other nations and not borrow. Your families will be blessed. You will radiate over your sons and daughters. I will prosper your land. You will sow a little and reap abundance. Talking about business financially. And he, he just said, obey me. Keep my commandments. <clears throat> Theologically, it means I'll bless the fire out of you. Globally, I'll raise you up. And uh, as a nation, we did that. And this became the greatest nation on earth. But in the latter half of Deuteronomy 28, he said this, but if you turn from me and you throw my commandments behind your back, you will go down. You will borrow from other nations. At one time, we were the leading lending nation in the world. Now we're the number one debtor nation in the world. And he said this, you will bemoan over your sons and daughters. Families will fall apart. You will marry a wife. Another man will lie with her. You will agonize over your children. You will be smitten by madness of heart and grope in the noonday mental maladies. It reads like USA Today newspaper. You're right. Dear ones, you say, well, I can do anything I want to do. Amen. Amen. God Almighty created every human being to have a free will. You can choose whatever you want to choose. I'm going to say it again. You can choose whatever you want to. He doesn't force anybody to do anything. Amen? Amen? 
Not only do I have a right to choose, my nation can choose who it wants to serve. And my nation can choose stuff or it can choose to use. So I don't believe in it. Separation of church and state. Fine by me. You get to choose it. Look right here at this preacher. You get to make your choices. You do not get to choose the consequences. The consequences are chosen for you. So you make your choice, but you listen to me. You'll have nothing to do with the consequences. You will eat the fruit of your choices. The entire universe is set up on a principle called harvest the law of the harvest. And it says this, <laughs> see if you've heard this before, whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. That's right. Period. You're not going to sow okra and pick peaches. <laughs> that applies to nations. Whatever a nation sows, that shall they reap. Amen. And uh, our nation has made some decisions. So what, don't you realize we don't believe in that God stuff anymore. We have separation of church and state. Let me quote it to you from the Bible. You make your decisions. He rules in the affairs of men. That's right. He charts the course of nations. Because of the decisions we've made in the last 15 to 20 years, let me give you a prophetic picture of where our nation is headed. This will help you. I got some money here. This is a 50 uh, boulevard bill. 50 boulevards. This is the currency of a country uh, named Venezuela. Anybody heard of Venezuela? Oh, yeah. All right, just go to Miami and keep going. You'll run into it. <laughs> this is a 50 uh, Boulevard bill. It's their currency. I don't know if you knew this or not, but in the year, I'm going to pick 1995, Venezuela was the envy of everything south of the equator. It was the most prosperous nation in Latin America and South America a beautiful land. It was a democracy. It was modeled after America's early democracy. They thrived. Everybody wanted to get in there and they prospered beyond measure. They were the crown jewel of the South, South of the equator down there. The latter 1990s, a man began to crusade in Venezuela. His name was Hugo Chavez. And Mr. Chavez was a declared, no question, Marxist. And he was dear friends. His best friend was a guy named Fidel who lived in a place called Cuba. Fidel Castro and him were best friends. And uh, Mr. Chavez was convinced that the way to national prosperity was through socialism slash Marxism. And he made no bones about it. He just told the truth. And he began to crusade and he, crus he crusaded under this banner. Equity, equality, caring for the poor, justice. He crusaded under that banner. And the people of Venezuela elected him and said, we are the greatest nation in the the South Americas will be even greater with him. And he was voted in. And the first thing he did was to nationalize the oil industry, which is their largest industry. And he began to nationalize and he gave everybody free health care. And he uh, gave everybody free education. And guess what happened in Venezuela? It got better and better for about three years. And as always happens, as always happens, you reap what you sow and then Venezuela began the greatest plunge in history. Venezuela is now the hellhole of South America. There's no food on the shelves. Everybody wants to get out. They got fences to keep people in their country. There's violence in the streets. There's instability. And in 20 years, it's gone from the top nation to the armpit of Latin America. It's in a mess. You can't even get in to help them. 
We partner with Samaritan's Purse, people like that that try to go in and help where there's crisis. They can't even get, they won't even let them in. They have to stand at the borders and help people as they flee. It's, it's the quickest turnaround, I think, in history of any nation. See this uh, boulevard, Bill Reyes, 50 boulevards right here. In the year 2008, the currency exchange for 50 boulevards was 22 U.S. dollars. You could have got 22 U.S. dollars for that in 2008. Guess what it was first thing this morning? For 50 boulevards, you could have gotten one-fourth of one penny. Greatest hyperinflation in world history. You say, how did such a great nation that was doing so well go into that mess so fast? You will reap what you sow. Let me tell you about the United States. I'm convinced that our leaders went down to Venezuela and very carefully studied how to do this. And we're on the same exact path they are. And that's not political. That is biblical. What's one of the signs of judgment in the Bible? Does anybody know? Jesus said this. If a nation doesn't honor me, I will give them blind leaders over blind people. And if the blind lead the blind, shall they not both go in the ditch? He said, Brother Brian, this can't happen. You listen to me. You don't honor God, anything can happen. He said, well, thank you. I'm glad I came today. I'm having a great time now. It's wonderful. You just told me everything's fixing to collapse. And... <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, uh, let me just put this in here. In case you were wondering, uh, here's the part where I really whack everybody off. You say, is, is God for the right or is he for the left? Which side's got God on their side? Both of them do, they tell me. My friends on the right tell me, that this is, this is, we're, we're the godly people. We got God on our side over here. And they done found them some Bible verses to back it up. Yes, sir. Man won't work. Man will not work. Neither shall he eat. Amen. Tell the suckers, go get a job. Get off welfare. My friends on the left, they found them some Bible verses to back up what they're doing. Care for the poor. Love everybody. Love covers all. So which side is God on in our land, the right or the left? Let me answer you from Scripture. One day a man named Joshua, he was a national leader, and he was in a mess. And the next day there was going to be a war, and he was so troubled, he spent that night troubled and in prayer, and he was walking outside Will, I, will my nation make it or not? And all of a sudden, right in front of him stood the Lord of hosts. Jesus just appeared to him and Jesus was dressed in battle array, battle regalia. And he hit the ground. You don't know how much I'm asking him to show up again so people will quit talking and hit the ground. And he hit the ground scared to death. And finally, when he looked up, he, he asked the Lord of hosts a question. He said, are you on our side or are you on their side? <laughs> That's what you ask people like that. And the Lord of hosts spoke and said, I did not come to take sides. I came to take over. I ain't interested in either side. God's not on the right. God's not on the left. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's got his own side. He's got his own kingdom. Abraham Lincoln is one of the greatest leaders in world history. He led our nation through some of his darkest days. I've never known a man to bear the weight 
of his nation like Abraham Lincoln did. You could imagine, you could imagine being the leader through the Civil War and knowing that 500,000 of your sons will die <clears throat> because you wrote the order. <clears throat> and it bore on him heavily. People talked about how the pressure and the stress weighed on him emotionally, even physically. I read the biography of a congressman and he said we were in a meeting one day with Mr. Lincoln and it was during a period when the South was winning the war and it looked like the South was going to defeat the North. It's back when Stonewall Jackson was the de facto leader before he was killed. And he said it looked like the South was going to win and it looked like Mr. Win Mr. Lincoln just bore the weight on his shoulders all the time. We were in a meeting one day and said uh, several of us there and a congressman asked Mr. Lincoln, do you think God's on our side or do you think God's on their side? And said, Mr. Lincoln looked real troubled for a minute and said he answered under such duress. And he said, whether God is on our side or on their, on their side has never crossed my mind. He said, the only thing I'm concerned with day or night is, are we on God's side? Well, the greatest answers ever given. Dear ones, don't prostitute the God of heaven and his word by trying to get him on your side. The goal is not for God to join your party. The goal is for you to join his and seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. He's got his own side. Beside, your little sand castles, spend your life building if you want to, but you go wash them, watch them wash away one day. The only thing that's going to make it out of this planet is the kingdom of God. All righty. Now I got you way down in the ditch. Let me pull you back out before we go eat chicken. Yes, I think we've passed the point of no return as a nation. Financial collapse is inevitable now. I think it's mathematically impossible to walk it back. But let me tell you about my future and your future if you'd like to get on the train I'm riding. And you can get on it. <clears throat> this nation does not have to prosper for me to have the greatest life Jesus ever planned. Just thought I'd tell you that. <clears throat> Matter of fact, Nothing has to go on around me for me to fulfill my created purpose on this earth. Nothing. Let me tell you four or five things that are going to happen. <clears throat> Number one, nothing has to go anyway around me for me to have an abundant, joyous life in Jesus, period. If darkness is all around me, I'm going to stand there and glow in the dark. It's going to be on. Number two, nothing has to work around me for me to have a fruitful life and accomplish everything he put me here to do. Yes. I, I can do what he called me to do, period, no matter what. Number three, there is nothing that can go on around me that can stop me from enjoying fellowship with my Savior. I've never had more fun in my life. I've just wrote a new song. I'm going to sing it for you one day. It goes like this. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I don't, listen. If what goes on out there dictates what goes on in here, anybody got any volume? <laughs> My life is not dictated by what goes on in the White House. My life is dictated by what goes on in the kingdom of God, in the middle of it. In my humble opinion, we are far more interested in financial prosperity than we are the kingdom of God and what he's doing in the earth. And we need a shift in the American church. Number four, ain't nothing goes on around that can stop me from delighting in his plans. 
My family's going to have, we've, had, we've never had more fun as a family. I've never enjoyed my old lady more than I do today. It's like we're still sweethearts having the best time. So that tells you she's not here this morning. I've never enjoyed her more. <laughs> hey, nothing goes on out there can stop my family from being blessed. Let, let me tell you something. I've never enjoyed the outdoors more than I do today. If they run up the Chinese flag, which I think they're probably fixing to if we keep screwing around with them people over there. If they run up the Chinese flags, they're not going to cut my woods down. I can still go fishing. And then number three, let me tell you something. Nothing can stop the true church of Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. A lot of people think that I don't care whether it's communism, socialism, drunkism. I don't care what it is. Say it'll hurt the church. Not the real church, it won't. Let me give you a, let me, you know what world history is? The tougher it gets around them, the greater his church becomes. I don't know if this happened or not. As my wife would say, probably not because the preacher told it. But it's been reported and I'm, I probably did happen that in the Soviet Union, back when the crackdown was on, and you had to meet in private. Christians had to meet in private because you couldn't, weren't allowed to meet in public. They had a private meeting going on one night, about a dozen folks. And they were meeting against the law to worship God and study the Bible, have fellowship. All of a sudden, the door was kicked open. And two Soviet agents walked in with automatic weapons and said, you know, this is illegal. Said, we're going to be gracious about this and give you a chance. If you really don't love God and you're just here playing games, you get out of here. Four people left. Eight said, if I die right here, I love Jesus that much. Eight stayed, four ran out the door. The guard closed the door. Both of them put their guns down and said, we love Jesus too. (laughs) We just couldn't take a chance with hypocrites. Now that we know you love God like we do, Let's study together. Are you, seeking a, are you seeking things? Are you seeking the kingdom of God? We've got to get our stuff in order here and live for what he's doing in the earth. And then let me, let me finish saying that one more. <clears throat> Nothing that goes on in this planet, this nation, or Alamance County can stop me from finishing my course with joy. And I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter at all. Now, somebody said to me the other day, Brother Brown, times are bad. Times are bad. And I said, I, I didn't know that. I hadn't noticed. You know why I didn't notice? Proverbs 4.18 says this, the path of the righteous, the life of the righteous will be like the rising sun. It grows ever brighter until the perfect day. Let me tell you what I'm really looking for. <clears throat> Here's what I'm really looking for. And I'll just quit with this. We'll talk about this next week. This earth wasn't supposed to last anyway. All these little kingdoms, they weren't supposed to last anyway. This earth is temporary. I see that people are still concerned with global warming. Look right here. It's coming. Global warming's on the way. <clears throat> I didn't get that from uh, the, uh, that world organization, United Nations. I didn't get that from a scientist. I got that from Peter. Second Peter chapter 2 says, Know that the earth that now exists is reserved for fire, and the earth and the works therein in it will be burned up. Yes. Yeah, global warming. What's the next verse say? Nevertheless, we look for a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Set your hope on, listen to me, 
this is a temporary earth. We weren't supposed to save this thing anyway. This is not the big deal. And then, well, I guess heaven's better the two alternatives. No, that is the big deal. This is the staging ground. This is just a getting ready place. That's all it is. And uh, I do have to make, I do want to make a prophetic announcement. You, know, you get in trouble if this don't come to pass. So I'm fixing to make a prophetic promise and announcement. Coming soon to a planet near you, the Creator's fixing to step back down to the planet He created. Now listen, I'm coming to pass. Now you say, are you one of them weirdo preachers that thinks we're in the end times? Yeah. I sure am. I know I'm weird, but I'm right about this one. He said, nobody can know that. You listen to what the Son of God said. When you see the limb bud and begin to put out buds, know that summer is near, even at the door. When you see these things begin to happen, you know that my return is close. I'm at the door. Jesus said, if you've got enough sense to look at a branch and see it start to bud and know, I'd be wearing flip-flops for long. If you've got enough sense to do that, you should know this Bible by the Holy Spirit and say, he's almost standing up. He's on his way back. And Jesus Christ is going to step down to this earth and he's coming back. Did you ever tell your children something twice? When I told my kids something twice, they know he means it. 270 times in this book right here, he says, I am coming back to the earth I created. The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the street. All the builders' tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labor. In the courtroom, no debate. Work on earth has been suspended as the king comes through the gate. I'm telling you. I'm not looking for a perfected earth. I'm looking for a perfect king to put his foot on this thing and take over and righteousness will rule. I'm not looking for the right, the winner, the left. You know what I live? I get up every day of my life and put my face in one direction. I'm living for one thing. I want that man to look me in the eye and say, well done, boy. Well done, son. That's what I'm living for right there. I'm looking for Jesus to come back wrap it all up, him say, well done. And to say to me, you was faithful over a, somebody know what that verse says in Matthew 25? You was faithful over a few things. You didn't waste your life like Don Quixote joust in a windmill. You didn't, you didn't pour your life down the toilet crusading. You were faithful over the few things I had you doing on that earth. And now you shall rule over big things for all of eternity. I must be about my father's business. I must be all over what he's doing in the earth. So here's my announcement. Here's my announcement. It don't make no never mind to me. You know what that means, don't you? That's that's real fancy preaching, right? Make no never mind to me whether he comes back today, tomorrow, five years from now. I'm enjoying Jesus on this day. And when he gets back, it's going to be an upgrade. An upgrade. Matter of fact, I got so many... I'm so old now. I got so many folks on the other side. I'm sort of wanting to step up. Lucky dogs. All right. I want to quote one quote and we're going to go eat chicken. If there's any left. 
there's a phrase that's sort of making the rounds in our nation today. It's a commercial. You've seen it. And it was supposed to have been cute. It's a cute jingle. But it is the heart of our nation right now. You ever heard this? What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? That's just a cute phrase to get you to get their credit card. You say, I got their credit card. Cut it in half. That's just free help right there. What's in your wallet? Jesus said, all the nations of the world are living for what's in your wallet. Don't you get up tomorrow morning and live for what's in your wallet. You get up tomorrow morning and you live for this right here. What is God doing in the earth? What do I want to be a part of? What am I living for? You say, Brother Brian, I'm going to get me some breakfast. <laughs> then I'm going to try to be at work on time because they told me if I'm late again, I'm going to get fired. And then after work, we're going to go down and get some pizza at that craft beer place and we're going to drink that craft beer. You say, is it wrong to drink beer? If you're paying $7 a cup for it, you're nuts. Go get you some Bud Light at the grocery store. <laughs> God have mercy. I'm sorry. And then we're going to go watch a movie and then we're going to go to bed and I'm going to do it all over again the next way. I love you. You are wasting your precious life. You've got to live for more than craft beer and pizza and burping. God is working in this earth. He's working in schools. He's working in homes. He's working all over the land. I've never had more fun. You abandon your life to him and say, I live for one thing. I may be a teacher. I might be a bus driver. I might be a stay-at-home mom, but whatever I'm doing on this earth, I want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth. I want to live for stuff that's going to be here 10,000 years from now. I don't want to live for stuff that's going to be gone when Jesus gets back. Live for eternity. All right, is everybody mad? I got more if if you ain't. (laughs) Lord Jesus, I love you so much. You, You are the, you're not real. You are the ultimate reality. And I want to praise you and thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you've given us a book and a spirit that helps us understand the times in which we live that we might know what to do. And I, I praise you. How did you know everybody would live for this stuff, these things? It's because you're so wonderful. But you've called every one of us that know you and love you. Get in on what I'm doing in the earth. Abandon your life to me. I'm not some on the side Sunday deal. I'm the reason you get up every morning. Live for me. Love me. Let me show you who to help in the earth. Let me show you what I'll do for your family in the earth. Let me show you what I'll do in your heart in the earth. Walk with me. I love you so much. I'm still stunned that you would even invite somebody like me to be a part of your show. I just can't believe it. I wouldn't have hired me. You're just wonderful. I praise you and thank you. I surrender my life to you as best I know how. I want to get up every day and start hollering and say every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And Father, if the lights get turned out all around me, thank you that your light will shine on me. Praise God for your goodness. I pray for every person in this room. They'll quit beating around a bush and monkeying around with pizza and movies and, and nothing wrong with that stuff. But they'll say, that's not what I live for. I seek the kingdom of God. I'm going after what God's doing in the earth and my family my heart, the area I'm in right now. Jesus, show me how to take this job welding in this plant. Show me what you want to do in this plant right here. Thank you and praise you. May Jesus be praised and glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.